What's going on, everybody? I'm Jeff St. Pierre, and this is episode 117 of the Adult Education Podcast. This week, I'm speaking with author Catherine May. Thank you so much for checking out the show this week. I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to listen to adult education. Uh, This show is all about learning new things or learning more about some topics you might already be familiar with. I speak with experts across all fields to learn more about health, mental health, education, music, technology, and just about anything that I find interesting. If you'd like to support adult education, the best way to do so is to leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. Word of mouth is the best way to inspire new people to check out the show. Now, when the pandemic hit, everybody started talking about how they couldn't wait to get things back to normal, right? Back to normal. That was the interesting thought going around. As the pandemic continued, we got further and further away from whatever that normal was. And when things started to get better, people were getting vaccinated and things started to reopen. People tried to find that normal. Now, some folks dove headfirst right back into their old ways, but most of us needed to figure out how to do that. Did we really want to go back to that normal, that quote unquote normal? I found there was or is or continues to be a transition period. There was normal, then pandemic, and then a time where we needed to understand how we'd change as humans and how our opinions about what kind of life we wanted had also changed. Now, I'm telling you all this because it ties into my conversation this week. I'm speaking with author and podcast host Catherine May. She's recently published a book called Enchantment, Awakening Wonder in an Anxious Age. If you've been listening to adult education for the last few years, you may remember that name, Catherine May. I had her on a couple of years ago when she released her book called Wintering. Now, Wintering was about taking a step back and finding joy in that. Essentially, it was what we were all going through back in 2020. But what came after that? How do we come out of our forced hibernation? That's what Enchantment is all about. Catherine, like so many of us, had a hard time finding balance as we started to emerge from the pandemic lockdowns. She was struggling to find joy and felt listless. And even finding enjoyment from reading was difficult for her. And she's an author and she loves to read. It was so hard for her to get back into that. Catherine had to find that way to bring back the joy in her life. And I can relate to that. I had very similar feelings. I had to step back and find the enjoyment in the little things in life. Just as an example, yesterday, I planted flowers with my daughter. It was so minor, right? Like I just put some dirt in a pot, let my daughter drop a couple of seeds in, then we buried them with more dirt. But such a little thing brought me so much joy. And that's what enchantment is all about. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Catherine May. Ah, there we go. That's better. Okay. (laughs) My complicated setup didn't work. They said, absolutely don't use your AirPods. And I'm now using my AirPods, but there we go. (laughs) How's everything going besides this uh, connection issue? (laughs) Much better than my technical knowledge. Yeah, no, it's it's going really well. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. It's uh, It's been about two years since the last time we spoke. So uh, life in general, is life treating you well? You feeling good? Yeah, I've had a few health problems actually at the beginning of this year. Mm. So I've been laid up a bit, which has been quite hard. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of cutting everything down a little bit for the book launch because I'm just trying to conserve my energy for the, the important bits. But um, we're getting through it. And it's, you know, it's just one of those things that, that comes up every now and again, isn't it? And you just have to find a way. Yeah, I I don't obviously know what you've been dealing with, and you don't have to share that. That's totally fine. But I know in my household, I have a two-year-old that started going to preschool this year, and I don't know everything. Yeah, it it just literally everything comes through our door now. It's like an endless cycle of someone in the house being sick nonstop. And it's been like that since the first week of January. So I I, I kind of feel the pain that you're in, in a way. Oh, that 
first year of preschool is just horrific. You just catch every single thing. It's awful. I, I knew it was coming, <laughs> but I still wasn't prepared oh, for it, you know? <laughs> no, it's just, it's terrible. And there's no way out of it. You just have to great gain immunity to every known human disease in the next year. <laughs> exactly. You're, it's almost the point where I'm just like, honey, just stick your hand in my mouth. Let's just get this all over with now. And then <laughs> just swab ourselves. Yeah, I know. It's just, it is disgusting. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, no. It's, you know, it's, it's part of the deal of becoming a parent, I suppose. Catherine, uh, the book is called Enchantment, Awakening Wonder in an anxious age. And I couldn't help but think while reading through this book and also having read uh, Wintering, which is what we spoke about a couple of years ago, is that Wintering almost in a way led to this book. Am I right in this assumption? I mean, because the idea of Wintering was sort of about stepping back and finding joy Mm -hmm. from retreat. And now here you are in Enchantment. It almost seems a little bit of the opposite where you're more re-engaging with the world and going back out to find all those things that you love. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could think about it as the what next after you've wintered book. Mm. Um, and I, I think, it, you know, the beginning of the book finds me in that state of mind, really, of trying to come out of lockdown and a pandemic and the, the huge changes that happened to all of us during that time. And not really having the capacity to re-engage, you know, mm. feeling very burnt out, feeling that horrible brain fog that I think will be familiar to loads of people listening. But at the same time, having that sense that there were some parts of being locked down that showed me a better way to live and I and that I didn't want to go back to the level of busyness that I had before. And I, yeah, I, I was in a very lost state at the, at the beginning of the book, as, as you find me explaining my, my sense of fogginess. Yeah. And one of the things I think is so interesting about the book, too, because you touch on this multiple times throughout it, is is your disinterest in reading. And I would imagine as an author that reading has been such a major part of your life as a whole. And I found a very similar situation to myself, you know, similar but different, in that I really had a hard time. I, I was finding myself reading so many books or getting involved in so many books to speak with folks like you, these wonderful authors that mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to have these opportunities for, that there came a point where I was like, I just can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like, I just need to put everything yeah. down and not even look at them for a while. No, I totally relate to that. And I, I felt a huge sense of shame about it mm, because yeah. as a writer, I mean, it's been my life and I, there's me going out telling other people, like, please read my book. And I'm unable to read myself. And it was actually, it was helpful once I began to talk about it because I realised it was quite a common experience. And I mean, I, I don't know the causes, but I feel like lots of us were just absolutely at capacity mm. and it's almost like we couldn't take any more in. And and that maybe we felt like life was too urgent for us to be doing something as pleasurable and luxurious as reading. It was, you know, my attention span was all over the place and I was constantly looking over my shoulder, like literally and metaphorically to see what was coming next. Um, and I, it, it felt like such a huge loss to me. And one of the narrative threads that runs through Enchantment is me trying to find my way back into reading, not just the ability mm. to do it, but trying to find that desire again and that urge to sit down with a good book and just to immerse myself. And it, it came eventually, yeah. <laughs> It took a while, though. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I haven't finished Enchantment. I know for me, one of the things that helped me, and I know this might be a weird thing to say, but 
as an adult, I think I sort of felt this weird shame about reading fiction in that I, mm, I if mm. I was going to be reading, I had to be learning something from the reading, whether it was a, you know, a, an yes, academic style yeah. book or, or a memoir of somebody's life. I had to be educating myself in some way. And then finally, I just yeah. sat down, I, I picked up, I, it was like a horror author, you know, that I, I was like, I'm going to read this book and just really try to separate my brain and just enjoy this. And that's what reinvigorated me, diving back into some fiction novels. And I was like, wait, why did I feel shamed by this? These are great pieces mm. of work. Well, the world has felt so serious, hasn't mm-hmm. it? And, I, you know, I think we've all struggled with leisure itself and feeling like it's okay to go back into uh, something that, that is purely for enjoyment. Um, and, and for me, I think what got me back in was, was going small, like reading one poem rather than trying to read a book of poems or reading a great article or a short story. Um, and also returning to like familiar favourites that felt comforting for me. Um, but I, I had to really kind of coax myself back into that pleasure. And I, it's only very recently that I've really got back into fiction, I'd say. That was something that I could not connect to for the longest time. I also had this thought lingering while reading through Enchantment. I've not finished the book just yet. I'm painfully slow reader <laughs> since we're talking <laughs> okay. about that. I sympathize. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one other thing I was thinking about is, you know, when the pandemic hit, there was this idea, okay, things are shut down, and then we're just all waiting for it to instantly go back to normal. And I just kept thinking mm. to myself, there was, there, there is, there was, however you want to look at it, a period in between those two things, between shutdown and normal. There's a period of acknowledging that things will never be the exact normal that you thought they were. And that's so much of what I was feeling from enchantment because you're trying to reenter this world and trying to figure out what is your normal. And I think everybody just kind of got wrapped up in this. Here's how it was before. It must once again be that, but that's okay to not have it be that it's okay to find a different normal. Well, yeah, and and I think more than it being okay, it, it simply is the truth. Mm. The, the world has been changed by this, and we as individuals have been changed, and our bodies have often been changed as well. You know, many of us are going back into real life um, with bodies that do not respond to anything in the same way that they used to. Um, and that's that could be our health, but it's also things like not being able to taste food in the same way, which is a huge loss that we haven't really had the chance to process, I don't think, still. Um, and I I mean, as, as human beings, we find change very hard. And here we are confronted with vast and enormous change that's come upon us so quickly. And it's definitely unwanted change. Um, but I think for me, I began to realise that However, I felt about what had happened, I had to accept the change. It wasn't an option to go back to how it was before. And I had to find a way to not only integrate this new world into, into the way I live my life, but actually to find joy in it again and to find pleasure and to find a way to connect with the world again, rather than to constantly be grinding against it and wondering how I could make it stop. I, I couldn't make it stop. Do you, this is a random question, do you do the audiobooks for these? Oh, I was supposed to record the audiobook and I was too sick to do it, oh, so no. I missed out. I'm so regretful about it. Um, but actually, the same person who read Wintering has read Enchantment. So I'm, I'm really happy with that because I know loads of people adore that. You know, the reading 
performance of the audiobook. So I'm, I'm, I'm comforted by that, if not a little bit jealous. Well, where I'm going with that is I could listen to your voice for hours. You just have such a soothing <laughs> tone to your voice. It just, I feel so calm and so engaged in what we're talking about. And I, I blame it totally on your voice right now. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that, uh, that English people get away with a lot in America. You know, I think our voice reads really nicely to your ears. You're very welcome to come and listen to my podcast whenever you like. Yes, <laughs> I, <my> voice. <laughs> I've actually been meaning to check it out. I haven't gotten to it, and I've been meaning to check that out. So this will that'll be my next jump off point here. I'll go dive into the podcast <laughs> next. Um, but I do want to talk about the word enchantment because that's the title of the book, and I just want to know what is enchantment or what does it mean to you to be enchanted? Mm, it was a word that kept coming up for me while I was writing it before I even knew that that was going to be the title. Mm. Um, and enchantment for me. What I love about it is it feels quite old fashioned, um, but it, it, it points us towards the idea of magic. Yeah. And I think that the quality of enchantment is being able to dive deep into this world, to immerse in it, to feel fascinated by it, to give it our attention and to feel the exchange between us and, and the world outside, to, to enter into a kind of a flow. Um, and I, I was reflecting in the book on qualities like awe and wonder, um, those kind of big qualities that are life enhancing, but which we have to give of ourselves to find, you know, that it doesn't just visit us. It requires a kind of an effort and an engagement and an ongoing project of the self to, to feel those emotions. And so that's what is encapsulated in that word enchantment for me. And I know a lot of this book was based around, as we've been talking about, the idea of sort of reemerging into the world after being sort of forced to step away from it for a little while. But I even find just from being a parent and having a two-year-old, I, I find that I'm so jaded as an adult, you know, just watching my yeah. daughter enjoy the simplest things and find mm -hmm. so much enchantment in those simple things, the awe, the wonder, as you just mentioned. It's things that are around us all the time, but just I think it's a natural reaction. As you grow, you kind of you look at them differently. You don't pay the same attention to them that you used to. Completely. And it comes to children so easily it's such a simple thing for children to just immerse themselves into stuff that can often seem really insignificant to us and i think that we lose that as we get older and i don't think that's by accident i think we deliberately put it aside as we age um you know we we come to feel almost shame about it particularly in our teenage years when everything's a bit cringy and embarrassing but then most of us reach an age when we wonder where it went and we wish we had it back. And I, I think that can be really used as a spur to go out and find it. It's still there. It's still completely possible to feel that. But you have to exercise it like a muscle. You have to build up your capacity for it again. Um, but I, I've been doing that for a little while now. And I, it's life affirming, honestly, to do it. And it, it's so soothing in these times when we're so troubled. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, I just, like I said, I, I'm with my daughter most of the day. I go pick her up shortly after this interview. I'll be going to pick her up from school. And uh, I, I get her for the whole afternoon, just the two of us. And it, it really is amazing to just go on a walk with her. And while inside of me, my adult brain is like, okay, I've got 10 minutes and I got to get home. I got to make dinner. I got to do this and that. But then I'm out there for an hour taking a half a mile walk with my daughter. And it just turns out to be the most fascinating thing that I've done in forever. It's lovely. And it's something that I actually found very hard in early parenthood was 
like entering into that fascination with my son. I, mm. I couldn't travel there with him. I, I just couldn't kind of find that quality of attention. Um, and I've been working on it, honestly. But he's fascinated by different things to me. Sure. And that took me a long time to realize as well, that it wasn't my job to tell him what to be fascinated by and, and where to feel that sense of flow. It was my job to get out of his way and to let him find his own objects of fascination and to develop his own relationships that I hope will keep sustaining him through through life. And all I can do is show him that an adult can do it too and that it's possible for him to hang on to that rather than to lose it. That's exactly it. I was going to say, I feel very similar about how I work with my daughter because there are things that she will find fascinating that don't really have much interest to me. But at the same time, while I'm with her in that moment, I allow myself to be enchanted by other things as well. That we might not be enchanted by the same things, but I allow my brain to sort of flow freely and to allow myself to find other things that are around us in that moment. So we are both doing the same thing. We just may be attracted to different things no that's absolutely right I, I had this lovely moment actually during the pandemic when I realized the bluebells would be out in our local woodland and we weren't allowed to go and walk there to find them um, and so on the way back from the supermarket which we were allowed to do um, we drove past and I had this moment of like oh look bluebells you know I was so <laughs> excited and I couldn't contain it and my son said I love how excited you get about stupid things like bluebells. And I was like, excellent. <laughs> That's all you need to know. <laughs> Uh, as I said, uh, forgive me, I have not read the entire book yet, um, but I, I felt I felt a spirituality about the book. Now, you don't exactly call out anything in particular, but I felt like there was a lot of spirituality in this. Am I wrong? Absolutely. And I think you'll find me musing on it a little more towards the end of the yeah. book. Um because I, for me, I'd reached a juncture in my life where I needed to change in that way too. Like I, I'd always felt very awkward around spiritual matters and like they weren't my domain. Um, and that I didn't really, I didn't feel I was the kind of person that engaged in that, that kind of thing. It wasn't for me. Um, but there was this yearning in me towards having a much more spiritual understanding of the world. And I think I finally gave into it while I was writing Enchantment. Um, and there's a lot of me in there thinking very hard about that and thinking like in what way I can enter into that and, and exploring my awkwardness around it, quite frankly. Um, but by the end of the book, I think I'd really come to a place where I, I realised my need for it. And I also gave myself permission to not have answers from it, but just to be able to bring questions into that relationship. And to take pleasure in in that sense of um, communing, I suppose, to use another old fashioned word, um, with the landscape around me and, and letting that be a conversation that I could have and put aside that over rationalizing brain for a while and just feel like I was part of something much bigger. I'm with you on that. I, I I feel like I need to be a little more open to things too. I think one of my challenges is everything seems to be all or nothing. You know, it seems to be yeah. all in and, or we have the exact answer and we know everything or nothing at all. And I, I feel like there's gotta be a middle ground. Like you were just saying, there's gotta be a middle ground where you can kind of let it come to you. You don't need to be told all the answers, but you can go out and you can experience it and let it come to you and find them yourself. Totally. And, and to, for it to be mysterious and, and actually the the mysteriousness of it is the thing that I'm now 
the most interested in because it allows me to keep coming back and to keep reframing and to keep questioning. Um, and I, I lose interest when things become too fixed, I think. I, mm. I just don't think we know that. I don't think we can know the answers. And I don't think anything has ever shown us the answers in, in the, you know, with great clarity in the way that some people claim to have. Um, and for me, the, the mission is the thing. The quest is the thing. And I love now having that uh, that unknowing, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, that that relationship with beauty and with transcendence and awe and wonder, but without really ever understanding it fully. That's actually that's actually a great place to be for me. Yeah, the quest, that's an interesting word to use. Because I the second somebody tells me they know all the answers, I immediately shut down. I, I want nothing to do with mm. that person because I don't think I can believe that person and I can no longer trust them yeah. because they don't have all yeah. the answers. Nobody has all the answers. Well, so that, and, it's and that quest, you're right. Yeah, and that's that's often used to kind of dominate and control, isn't it? And to, to give these kind of very fixed moral lessons that work in some instances, but then always don't work in other instances and you know I think this age above all other ages so far really needs us to have this fluidity and this sort of acrobatic mm. mental attitude towards it that lets us be flexible and think our way around things and take in new evidence and and listen to people I mean I one of the things we've been confronted with so much in the last 10 years is other people's suffering mm. that we didn't hear before, that we had no access to and we had no understanding of. And now we're hearing it and we need to learn how to truly listen to it rather than to push it back and, and still think we know all the answers because we so clearly don't, not, not a single one of us does. It's been a big change for me. There was an author I was speaking with yesterday, actually from Wales, as a matter of fact, um, so oh, over oh, in the UK go. as well. And we were talking about, he's done a lot of research on hate and how groups of people in particular have come together and just where the idea of hate comes from. How does prejudice turn into mm. hatred? And a very deep uh, book. And we had a great conversation, but one of the things we discussed, which you just kind of touched on is that, you know, it's not necessarily that there's more anger and more hate now. We just hear about it a lot more now. I mean, the, the yeah. ways that people can get their opinions and their messages out there are so much more available than they ever have been throughout human history. So it's interesting mm -hmm. where you just mentioned suffering. There was probably always a, a large amount of suffering in different ways uh, throughout human history. We just see the worst of it at all times now, unfortunately, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. We, uh, to use a terrible Doctor Who reference, there's this, there's this moment when Rose looks into the core of the TARDIS and she sees everything, like all of history all at once. And, and it, you know, you can see her brain's like about to explode. Um, and that's, I think, a bit like how it is to be us right now. We're, we're witnessing so much and we don't know how to even handle that. But what's undeniable is that there is a, a huge amount of suffering in this world and we can't do a great deal about it as individuals and I think to truly process that is it is the only option we have but it's it's this it's this way forward like we, we we're learning our limits and that's got to teach us something I'm not sure what that is yet yeah, well, that that goes back to that word quest I mean we're we don't know what it yeah. is yet but we're gonna we're gonna keep looking for it and we're gonna keep trying to find it yeah. Yeah, to stay to stay with that sense of 
being troubled by this, I think is the most that we can offer at the moment and, and to sit with it and to, to keep on noticing how troubling it is that the world gets broken over and over again, but also gets remade. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually a really powerful statement to think about. Um, in your quest for spirituality here, or, or that, or, or that aspect of the book, is that kind of where you thought to go with the four different parts of the book: the earth, water, fire, and uh, what am I, an air? <laughs> kind of, but they they came quite late to me in the book. I I was thinking about how to organize the the pro, you know the reader's progress in sure. the book, and um, it took me the longest time to see that I was talking about elements. Like I quite often I'm circling an issue without fully perceiving it myself um and i and i suddenly realized that everything i'd written so far had been elemental and really about connecting with the fundamental building blocks of this planet and the space above it um, and once i saw that i realized that that i was thinking you know very clearly about a path upwards towards the heavens um and it's yeah it's it's so fascinating somehow to see, to kind of witness your own mind at work without being party to, to what's happening. I find that so often with writing. I, I don't always feel like it's me that's fully controlling it. There's, it's coming from somewhere that I, I don't fully have access to. So I know the start of the year has not been the easiest thing for you. We touched on that earlier. And I know that when a book is published, it's usually been done for a fair amount of time before it officially comes out to the reader. So yeah. Since you finished the book to now, how are you feeling? Are you feeling like you're more enchanted, if you will? Are you feeling you're more engaged in the world? Are you feeling like you've taken those steps to keep moving forward? Yeah, it's been it's been so interesting, actually, because I finished the book about a year ago. Mm. Um, and to come back to it now and to be talking about it has made me realize so much how the the things that were new in enchantment and the things I was in the process of exploring during writing the book have now really bedded in for me. Um, and the, yeah, I, I was really changed by writing this book. And I, I think that change has been about permission to seek spiritual connection. And, uh, you know, I would have, I don't think I could have had this conversation in, in these terms even a year ago. It would have felt really raw and embarrassing and like I was letting you know too much about the inside of my head. <laughs> um, <laughs> but a year later, it's it's really routine for me to find a way of connecting every day with something that is above the, the kind of practical, I guess. Um, and, it, and a really good example of that is that as the book was published yesterday, the first thing I did in the morning was to go to the healing world that I talk about at the beginning of the mm. book and to just spend some time there. I bought it a little offering of some daffodils because it's David's day today. So it's a, a perfect time to offer daffodils. Uh, and I, I dressed the well, as I have done a few times now, and, and decorated it with flowers. Um, and just took myself down there and, and had a few moments of reflection and opened up time to reflect, which I don't think I'd have done without writing this book. And, mm. and that helped me so much with, you know, a day that can be quite stressful and, and quite kind of overwhelming. Um, I've, I've learned to make space and to make meaning very deliberately. There's that uh, that phrase, it's the first day of the rest of your life. It almost feels like <laughs> this book is the first day of the rest of your life. Yeah, and always, and and I think to know that 
I'll always be in that process. Like every single day opens up new possibilities. Um, I, I love that. And the well, too, by the way, it's just a side note. Isn't it fascinating that there are things still in this world that have been around for as long as something like that well that still mm-hmm. exist in our current world of in society that we have today? It's amazing when you can find those wonderful gems that still survive. Absolutely amazing. And also the fact that in my landscape, in my local landscape, this beautiful ancient well can be there that has such history and nobody really knows about it. You know, like, how how is it not having a great big queue of people there <laughs> wanting to take a look at it? Um, I That astonishes me. It astonishes me how forgetful we are. And, and that includes me, absolutely. There are so many things that we just don't notice going on around us. Well, just don't post the address because now that the book is out, people are going to be looking for it, I think. <laughs> I think I might become very, very unpopular <laughs> with the uh, <laughs> the people that tend the land around it quite soon. <laughs> I'm uh, so sorry. That's really, <laughs> that's really funny. Uh, Catherine made the book is called Enchantment, Awakening Wonder in an Anxious Age. Uh, where can people go if they want to find out more about you or follow along with your journey? Uh, they can take a look at my website, which is katherine-may.com, uh, or have a little listen to my podcast, uh, which is called How We Live Now. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm always about, you can find links to my socials there too in my newsletter. Well, Catherine, it is always a pleasure to speak with you. I hope it's not two years before we talk again, uh, but I'm so glad that we were <laughs> able to connect and thank you for squeezing me in. I know it's been a busy year for you so far, so I appreciate you making some time. Oh no, thank you. It's lovely to talk to you and I'm so grateful. Big thank you to Catherine May for her time. Her book, Enchantment, Awakening Wonder in an Anxious Age, is available wherever you get your books. And I'd suggest you listen to her podcast as well. Her voice is just magical. And thank you to all of you for listening to Adult Education. Until next week, be well.